volume three chapter thirteen of the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirteen demonstrating the heavy sorrow which may be produced by a young lady's having a larger fortune than her lover expected miss compton was not long kept waiting for the appearance of her promised visitor on the following morning for before twelve o'clock lady elizabeth norris arrived agnes very punctually obeyed the commands that had been given her and having properly introduced the two old ladies to each other left them together and hastened at length to satisfy the anxious curiosity of her friend mary by giving her a full account of all the circumstances that had led to the happy change in her prospects her tale was listened to with unbroken attention and when it was ended miss peters exclaimed now then i forgive you agnes and only now for not returning the love of that very pleasant person frederick stephenson for i do believe it is nearly impossible for a young lady to be in love with two gentlemen at once and i now perceive beyond the shadow of a doubt that the superb colonel turned your head from the very first moment that you looked not upon but up to him how very strange it is she continued that i should never have suspected the cause of that remarkable refusal i imagine my dullness arose from my humility i was conscious myself that i should quite as soon have taken the liberty of falling in love with the autocrat of all the russias as with colonel hubert and it therefore never occurred to me that you could be guilty of such audacity nevertheless i will not deny that he is a husband to be proud of and so i wish you joy heartily but do tell me she added after a moment's meditation how do you mean to manage about mr stephenson your first meeting will be rather awkward will it not i fear so replied agnes gravely but there is no help for it and i must get over it as well as i can fortunately none of the family have the slightest idea of any such thing and i hope they never will i hope so too dear but it would be very unpleasant would it not if upon hearing what is going on he were to burst in among you and insist upon shooting colonel hubert this was said playfully and without a shadow of serious meaning but it rendered agnes extremely uneasy and it required some skill and perseverance on the part of miss peters to remove the effect of what she had said there were however too many pleasant points of discourse among the multitude of subjects before them for her young spirits to cling long to the only one that seemed capable of giving her pain and on the whole their long and uninterrupted conference was highly gratifying to them both while this was going on in rodney place something of the same kind but without any drawback at all was proceeding in the mall between the two old ladies the result of which may be given more shortly by relating what passed between lady elizabeth and her nephew afterwards than by following them through the whole of their very interesting but somewhat desultory conversation colonel hubert was awaiting the return of his aunt with much anxiety an anxiety by the way which proceeded wholly from the fear that what she might have to report should prove his agnes to be a meilleur parti than he wished to find her this singular species of uneasiness was in no degree lessened by the aspect of the old lady as she entered the drawing-room in which he was waiting to receive her this is a very singular romance montague as ever i remember to have heard of she began here is this pretty creature who was introduced to us as niece and adopted child as i fancied of the vulgarest and most atrociously absurd woman in england without money or wit enough to keep her out of jail and now she turns out to be a young lady of large fortune perfectly well educated and well descended on both sides of her house and all this too without any legerdemain denouement or discoveries i wish you joy heartily montague her fortune is exactly what was wanted to make yours comfortable 
she has fifteen hundred a year part of which is by miss compton's account a very improvable estate in devonshire but i suspect the old lady will like to give a name to your second son or should you have no second son to a daughter nor can i blame her for this by her account compton of compton bassett has endured long enough in the land to render the wish that it should not pass away a very reasonable one especially for the person who holds and has to bequeath the estate to which it has for centuries been annexed so that point i presume you will not cavil at you must take care however that the liberal-minded old gentlewoman in making this noble settlement on her niece does not leave herself too bare she talked of the trifle that would follow at her death this ought not to be a trifle and were i you montague i would insist that the amount settled on agnes at your marriage should not exceed one thousand a year this with the next step in your profession will make your income a very sufficient one even without the regiment which you have such fair reason to hope for during the whole of this harangue colonel hubert was suffering very severely till by the time her ladyship had concluded his imagination became so morbidly alive that he almost fancied himself already in the presence of his injured friend he fancied him hastening home to be a witness at his marriage and gazing with a cold reproachful eye as the beauty the wealth the connections of agnes were all shown to be exactly what his friends would have approved for him had not a false a base and interested adviser contrived to render vain his generous and honourable love that he might win the precious prize himself what a picture was this for such a mind as hubert's to contemplate had not lady elizabeth been exceedingly occupied by the curious and unexpected discovery she had made concerning the race and the rents of the comptons she must have perceived how greatly the effect of her statement was the reverse of pleasurable to her auditor but in truth her attention was not fixed upon him but upon miss compton whom she considered as one of the most remarkable originals she had ever met with and ceased not to congratulate herself upon the happy chance which had turned her yielding kindness to her nephew into a source of so much interesting speculation to herself receiving no answer to the speech she had made she added very good-humouredly that's all mr benedict now you may depart to look for the young lady and you may tell her if you please that upon the whole i very much doubt if the united kingdoms might not be ransacked through without finding any one i should more completely approve in all ways as the wife of montague hubert poor sir edward how he will wish that all his anxieties respecting his hare-brained brother had been brought to a termination by the young man's having had the wit to fall in love with this sweet girl instead of you but i doubt if frederick stephenson has sufficient taste and refinement of mind to appreciate such a girl as agnes he probably overlooked her altogether or perhaps amused himself more by quizzing the absurdities of the aunt than by paying any particular attention to her delicate and unobtrusive niece it required such a mind as yours montague to overcome all the apparent obstacles and objections with which she was surrounded i honour you for it and so perhaps will your giddy-headed friend too when he comes to know her she is a gem that we shall all have reason to be proud of colonel hubert could bear no more but muttering something about wishing immediately to write letters he hurried out of the room and shut himself into the parlour which had been appropriated to his morning use without giving himself time to think very deliberately of the comparative good and evil that might ensue he seized a pen and wrote the following letter to mr stephenson dear frederick we parted painfully and my regard for you is too sincere for me to endure the idea of meeting you again with equal pain 
i have had reason since you left england to believe that notwithstanding the very objectionable manners and conduct of mrs barnaby her niece miss willoughby is in every way worthy of the attachment you conceived for her nay that her family and fortune are such as even your brother and sisters would approve i will not conceal from you that there are others who have discovered though not so early as yourself the attractions and the merits of miss willoughby but who can say frederick that if your early and generous devotion were made known to her she might not give you the preference over those who were less prompt in surrendering their affections than yourself if then your feelings towards her continue to be the same as when we parted at our breakfast-table at clifton and this i cannot doubt for agnes is not formed to be loved once and then forgotten if you still love her frederick hasten home and take the advantage which your early conceived and unhesitating affection gives you over those who saw her more than once before they discovered how important she was to their happiness notwithstanding the impatience with which you listened to my remonstrances on the subject of a connection with mrs barnaby i believe that they were in truth the cause of your abandoning a pursuit in which your heart was deeply interested and so believing i cannot rest till i have told you that a marriage with miss willoughby no longer involves the necessity of any personal intercourse with mrs barnaby they are separated and probably for ever believe me now and for ever very faithfully your friend montague hubert the effort necessary for writing and dispatching this letter by the post was of service to him it tended to make him feel more reconciled to himself and less impatient under the infliction of hearing the favourite position of miss willoughby descanted upon but much anxiety much suffering still remained how should he again meet agnes despite a thousand dear suspicions to the contrary he could not wholly conquer the belief that it was her indifference or some feeling connected with the disparity of their age which dictated the two well-remembered words i will never be your wife and his best consolation under the terrible idea that he had recalled a rival to compete with him arose from the feeling that if when his own proposals and those of frederick were both before her she should bestow herself on him he might and must believe that spite of his thirty-five years she loved him but though he hailed such comfort as might be got from this it could not enable him to see agnes while this uncertainty remained without such a degree of restraint as must convert all intercourse with her into misery agnes meanwhile was indulging herself with all the happy confidence of youthful friendship in relating to her friend everything that had happened since they parted and returned to them all soon after lady elizabeth had left it with a heart glowing with love gratitude hope and joy the narrative with which miss compton welcomed her was just all she wished and expected and when told that the evening was to be passed at the lodgings of lady elizabeth norris she thanked the delighted old lady for the intelligence with a kiss that spoke her gladness better than any words could have done the evening came and found the aunt and niece ready to keep their engagement with such an equality of happiness expressed in the countenance of each as might leave it doubtful which enjoyed the prospect of it the most the pretty dress of agnes with all its simplicity was rather more studied than usual and it was the consciousness of this perhaps which occasioned her to blush so beautifully when miss compton made her a laughing compliment about the delicate style of it you look like a lily my agnes said the old lady gazing at her with fond admiration you have certainly got very tired of black my dear child for i perceive that whenever you wish to look very nice you select unmixed white for your decoration i think it best expresses the change in my condition replied agnes oh my dear aunt how very very happy you have made me 
nothing could be more gratifying than the manner in which they were received by lady elizabeth lady stephenson and sir edward but colonel hubert was not in the drawing-room when they entered for a short time however his absence was not regretted even by agnes as she was not sorry for the opportunity it gave her of receiving the affectionate congratulations of her future sister and it was with a feeling likely to produce much lasting love between them that the one related and the other listened to the history of colonel hubert's return from london of his first bold avowal of his love to his aunt and of the comfort he had found in the reception given this avowal by lady stephenson herself but still colonel hubert came not and at length lady elizabeth exclaimed with a spice of her usual vivacity upon my word i believe that montague is writing an account of his felicity to every officer in the british army he darted out of the room this morning before i had half finished what i had to say to him he hardly spoke three words while dinner lasted and off he was again as soon as the cloth was removed and each time something about writing letters was the only intelligible words i got from him i wish you would go sir edward and see if he is writing letters now and i will ring for tea i mean to make montague sing to-night with agnes emily has taken care that you should have a good piano my dear and you must take care that while i stay here i have music enough to make up for the loss of my menagerie for i don't think i shall begin collecting again just yet sir edward obeyed the old lady's wishes and when the tea was half over returned with his brother-in-law this was the first time that colonel hubert had been seen by miss compton and the moment was not a favourable one for removing the idea which she had originally conceived of his being too old for the lover and husband of her beautiful niece he was looking pale harassed and fatigued but while agnes feared only that he might be unwell her aunt though she could not deny that he was a gentleman of a most noble presence it was thus she expressed herself in speaking of him to mrs peters thought that it was strange so young a girl should have fixed her fancy upon him in preference to all the world beside in fact miss compton's notions of a lover being drawn solely from the imaginary models she had made acquaintance with among her bees and flowers she would have been better pleased to see a bright-eyed youth of twenty-one as the hero of her own romance than the dignified but melancholy man who now stood before her having received his salutation and returned it with that tone and look of intelligent cheerfulness which redeemed all she said from any imputation of want of polish or deficiency of high-bred elegance she turned her eyes on the face of agnes and there she read such speaking testimony of love and admiration that all her romantic wishes for her perfect bliss were satisfied and following the direction of those speaking eyes and once more examining the features and person of hubert she satisfied herself by the conviction that if not young he was supremely elegant and that if his complexion had lost its bloom his manners had attained a degree of dignity superior as she thought to anything described among the young gentlemen whose images were familiar to her imagination it was slowly that colonel hubert approached agnes and mournfully that he gazed upon her but there was to her feelings a pleasure in his presence which for a long time prevented her being fully conscious that he on his part was not so happy as she had hoped it was in her power to make him by degrees however the conviction of this sad truth made its way to her heart and from that moment her joy and gladness faded drooped and died away like a flower into which a gnawing worm has found its way and nestled in the very core this did not happen on this first evening of their meeting under the roof of lady elizabeth for agnes indulged her with every song she desired to hear lady stephenson sang too nor could colonel hubert refuse to join them so that to the unsuspicious agnes that evening seemed delightful 
but a silent melancholy walk on the following morning made her ask herself where was the ardent love for which he had pleaded in half moon street had she mistaken him when he said that his happiness depended wholly on her and if not what was it had turned him thus to stone poor agnes she could have no confidant in this new sorrow her aunt compton and her friend mary had both spoken of him as too old to be a lover and did she breathe to either a fear that his affection had already grown cold might they not tell her that it was but natural such words she thought would break her heart for every hour he became dearer to her than before as she saw he was unhappy and thinking more of him than of herself mourned more for his sorrow of which she knew nothing than for her own though it was rapidly undermining her health and destroying her bloom End of chapter 13